Well, hi there. My name is Ben Rowe, and it's a great privilege uh, of mine to be here with you today um, to talk from the Word of God, uh, and I hope to encourage you uh, in a number of different ways. Uh, and just as way of, I suppose, a slightly longer uh, introduction, um, I've been working now for a number of years with Joel um, on a team that he has developed over the years working for New Day, uh, which is a great Christian uh, festival that runs every summer for young people where thousands uh, of young people do gather uh, on Norfolk Showground. And that's been a, a great privilege uh, just to, to serve with him, but also to serve with a number uh, of other people that I know are based here in Brighton, uh, not just on staff or the volunteer team, but involved in all kinds of different walks of life. Uh, and it's just a wonderful thing to see every summer uh, a church like yours giving in such a, an incredible way. Uh, and I really wanted to start there uh, today by saying a huge thank you uh, from me to you and wanting to encourage you in this because actually as a church, as a community, as a family, uh, it's a really important thing that we recognize sometimes what it is when we give away when it comes to money, when it comes to time, when it comes to prayer. Uh, and I just want to say a huge thank you for everyone that you have enabled to serve at this incredible event that we run in the summer. Uh, and I kid you not when I say that this event has genuinely changed and transformed thousands of young people's lives over the years, where it's helped them draw closer to God, uh, where it's helped them understand who God is, uh, and hundreds and hundreds have come into relationship with God for the first time. So I just wanted to start by saying a genuine and a sincere thank you. I also know that as a church, and, and having get, got to know the, the leadership team here a little bit, uh, that as a family, you're also invested in prayer and in money and in time uh, to planting churches, not just here in the city of Brighton, but right across planet Earth, uh, which is a wonderful thing. And I want to encourage you in that. Uh, and again, start by saying a huge thank you. It's a great encouragement, particularly for me. Uh, often I come down uh, during the week to Brighton to spend some time with the guys in the office. Uh, and one of the things that I would do is when I get down here is spend some time with the staff and the volunteers as they gather to pray. Uh, and they share stories about what's been going on. And it's clearly evident to me uh, that this is a people, uh, a people that believe in Jesus, that are committed to being generous uh, with all that God has given you uh, to seeing the community impacted around you in this great city. So a huge well done. Uh, and again, thank you for the great encouragement that you are to other people. Uh, and lastly, I just wanted to say a, a sincere uh, thank you from a personal point of view. Because as a church, one of the things that you do, uh, whether you realize it or not, is, uh, is you help release people in your family, in this church, on the leadership team and in the congregation to serve other churches in incredible ways. Uh, and actually, over the last few years, uh, the team here in Brighton uh, and many members of the congregation have been a huge blessing to myself and to my wife and my kids, uh, helping us make a move from Southampton to London, uh, helping us transition in a job uh, and starting to get more involved with New Day and, and genuinely getting alongside us and helping us continue the great race that it is of life. Uh, and so I personally want to say a huge thank you to every single one of you for being a church that is generous in spirit, that is a church that is releasing of leaders and people uh, and generous with time and with money and with prayer. 
And it's for all of these reasons, and I mean all of these things from the bottom of my heart, uh, it's for all of these reasons that it gives me great excitement to be talking to you today. Because uh, I recognize from a distance that you are a church that is already generous. And I know that you're in a, a season at the moment, and in, indeed we're continuing the series called Level Up today, where you're considering really where you've come from, uh, where you're going to, uh, and how not only as a, as a congregation, as a people, you can play your part, but individually, what is it that you can do to continue to be generous uh, so that the church may continue to advance, that the kingdom of God uh, would continue to spread across Brighton uh, and indeed across this nation and indeed across the nations that you guys are serving with the plants that you've sent out as well. Uh, and so because you're a generous church, because you're a church that I know has an open heart, I'm excited about what God is going to do here today. Because the thing is with God is that you never come to the finish line in terms of understanding who he is. You never come to the place where you fully grasp what it is completely to be generous. There's always more to get when it comes to God. There's always deeper wells to dig. Uh, and the beautiful thing about the God that we serve is that he's always willing uh, to give more and more. And so I am excited about today and I believe that God wants to speak to us, to every single one of us, including myself, quite a simple message, uh, but one that I hope will serve us uh, and encourage us. And the thing to remember today is simply this, is that God is provider. And I want us just to, to pray, then I'm going to read some verses uh, from a book of the Bible called Philippians, which is a, a book written by a guy called Paul. Many of you here today will know probably who Paul is, but for those of you that don't, he was a, a man, a Jewish man, a leader uh, in the time where Jesus had died uh, and been raised back to life, gone to be with the Father, uh, and Christianity is, is sort of born, and people that believe in Jesus are going around telling others the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Uh, and Paul was a man that really hated Christianity, to the point where he wanted Christians to die. Uh, and he was on his way uh, to Damascus, uh, another town where he was going to go and really see Christianity uh, stamped out. And on his way to Damascus, he comes across the risen Lord Jesus Christ, who appeared to him and says to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me and my church? Uh, and as you can imagine, this remarkable encounter that Paul has with the risen Lord Jesus completely changes his life then and forevermore. Father, I want to thank you so much that you are the God who provides. I thank you that you are here today providing for us in all kinds of ways that we cannot possibly even imagine. I thank you for the provision of life and life eternal. Uh, and I thank you, Father, that you are here by your Spirit wanting to do us good. And so, Lord, as I pray right now, I pray that you would help me uh, and you would help each one of us that are here today to just grasp more of who you are uh, and to be changed. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. So we're going to read um, from Philippians, as I say, written by Paul. And Paul is writing at this time um, from prison. And he's writing to a church in Philippi. Uh, and this is a church very much similar to yourselves. They're a church that are very generous. They've given to Paul over the years in uh, various different ways. Uh, and this letter is particularly in response to a, a recent gift that they've given him. So I'm going to read through these verses. And actually, we're just going to take one of the verses that we're going to concentrate on today. So it says this from verse 10 in chapter 4. 
I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you have no opportunity. And now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians yourselves, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. And even in Thessalonica, you sent for me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And the verse that I want us to particularly focus on today is verse 19, which says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So this letter is a response to the church. The church have sent Paul a gift. He's in prison, uh, and Paul is responding to them. Uh, and he seems to be very excited, not about the gift that he's received, but in fact, about the good that it's going to do the church having given away to him, to the purposes of God. He's excited about something that's going on in the heart of the people that have given. And this is the thing that I want us to major on today. So verse 19 starts with this, and my God will supply. The first point I want to make is that God is a supplier. God is provider. It's who God is. You see, God isn't just simply quite good at providing. It's not like God's uh, like a Father Christmas uh, that gives all year round. Sometimes we reduce God to exactly that. But Paul is, is writing with a confidence. It's not like a, a well done, my friends. Thanks so much for giving. Uh, and just continue to be good boys and girls and continue to, to keep doing this kind of thing. Uh, and then maybe, just maybe, God might find something to give to you. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, thank you so much for the gift, and I am absolutely convinced that my God will provide. And as I say, sometimes we, we rather reduce the word provider. We reduce the, the character of who God is into all kinds of different things. And the truth is this, is that God is a holy God who has lived for eternity, who sits outside of time, who is a father and who desires intimate relationship with us. And is wanting to change us to become more and more like him and like his son Jesus. Even when we're doing a good job of running away from God, God is more active in our lives and providing more in our lives and in our hearts than we could possibly imagine. God, in fact, is incredible at providing because he hasn't learned to provide. It wasn't that God was quite stingy and over the course of eternity he's learnt what it is to give away. God by his very nature is a provider. It's a word that's used in the Bible to describe the very person of who he is. 
And so as I talk about God being provider and as we make that statement, it would be quite inadequate of us just to stop there and to move on. Because the word provide could conjure up all kinds of different thoughts in your mind. I could tell you today that I'm a provider. I provide uh, somewhat for my two children. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And best I can, I provide for them with my wife. You could say that there are charities that provide all over the world that do incredible works. You could say that governments provide. You could say that the police force provides. You could say that certain characters in the World Cup provide. And sometimes we have to get hold of a word in the Bible, particularly when it's a word that describes who God is. And we have to just pause and we have to actually pull it apart and ponder on it a little bit to grasp the, the, the magnitude and the weight of what it's actually trying to say. You see, the big difference between how I, or indeed any individual, or nation, or organization, or even the church provides in comparison to a God who is called provider is huge. And I want us just to, to do exactly that. As I said a moment ago, I want us just to pause for a moment and really start to consider what does it mean for God to be provider? Well, let me start here. In the beginning, there was God. And out of the overflow of love, out of love and affection, God began to create. And this is the God who said, let there be light, and there was light. And this is the God that thought up the magnitude and the intricacy of the universe and how it holds together the beauty of the stars in the sky. This is the God that placed them in the sky. It's the one that thought of the sky. It's the one that thought of the sea. It's the one that created the mountains and, and thought of snow and thought of rain and thought of the sun. And within this creation, it's the, the God that brought life. It's the God that, that let plants spring forth from the ground. And animals start to roam on the ground and fly in the air and swim in the sea. And from life, he, he then brings forth humanity. And he breathes air into man and air into woman. And he allows them to live this is the God that created all of these things. When we talk about God as provider, we mustn't ever reduce him to being something just similar to you and I. He is so much more than that. And then as humanity starts to evolve and develop and multiplies, we see that God doesn't just sit back and put his legs up and say, well, I've, I've sort of provided life and now you guys get on of it and just see how you get on. God, through the, the course of all of history, has been involved with providing for, for men and women. He provides for a nation. He draws a nation to himself. He's always purposed that he would have a people, and right from the beginning of time has been providing for them. Provides them land. Provides them water when they're thirsty. Food when they're hungry. He provides them great victories over their enemies, even when the odds were stacked up against them. God was a provider for, for millions of people, a great nation, freedom when they were oppressed. But he isn't just interested in the numbers. What's remarkable about this God who provides all of creation and holds it and sustains it all in his hands is that he's big enough to be interested in every individual as well. Throughout the course of all the Bible, we see that God isn't just a God that creates creation and sits back. He isn't just a God that's interested in the numbers of people, but he's a God that knows people by name. He's a God that is interested in people's emotions. He's a God that's interested in people's circumstances. He's a father who loves and loves to provide. And again, we see it right through the course of the Bible. 
even right at the beginning of history when Adam and Eve come into play, even when they mess up, even when they turn away from him and they realize that they're naked, God provides clothes for them to wear. I would love to see those clothes, by the way, and hopefully one day God can show me. Even Noah, when we think about Noah, what kind of provision God brings him, he helps him have insight to what's about to happen in the future, that this great rain is going to come and he gives him insight to building the boat and building the ark and he saves Noah and he gives him a future, he provides for him. There's a couple in the Bible called Abraham and Sarah and God gives them this promise that basically from them, from their children, they are going to see generation after generation after generation uh, multiply and be God's people. And they're old in age and they can't have children and God comes and he provides there's this guy called Elijah, this beautiful moment where you just see the, the intimacy that God wants to have with people and the provision that he brings. Elijah's a, a big deal guy in the Bible, if you haven't heard about him before, and he has this in, incredible moment where he goes up against a, a group of people that believe in these other gods, uh, and it's just epic in every sense of the word. But then he gets really depressed, and he runs away, and he feels like he's failed. And do you know what God does? He comes and he provides for Elijah rest and comfort and he tells him to sleep and he brings him food and refreshments. And then there's this moment in history where we really start to grasp the magnitude of the provision that comes from our Father in heaven. This moment in history where God provides his son Jesus. But Jesus comes to planet Earth. He provides a young teenage virgin with a son in her womb. And Jesus is born, the son of the living God, coming from heaven to earth. And Jesus lives this incredible life as he grows up. And it says that he grows in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. And one of the things Jesus says about himself is basically, if you see me, you see the Father. What I do is what the Father would do. I'm working out the Father's will. And when you look at the life of Jesus, and you look at the heart of Jesus, and you look at the provision of Jesus, you start to grasp the kindness that comes with the provision that God brings. Jesus goes from town to town, from village to village, encountering various different people. And often there's this wonderful statement in the Bible that says, moved with compassion, Jesus healed a sick woman. Moved with compassion, Jesus healed a sick man. Moved with compassion, Jesus raises a man from death to life. Jesus was moving from place to place and he was providing, he was bringing provision to people. He was bringing freedom for people that were oppressed. He was even interested in people's businesses. There's a number of times where the fishermen are out at sea and they're catching nothing. And Jesus tells them where to put the nets down and they get this incredible catch. Right through his life, Jesus is providing for people out of a heart of love and affection. And it leads to this moment, as many of you will know, where, where Jesus goes to the cross. And often we, we forget that this, this is the absolute pinnacle of provision in all of history. When Jesus Christ dies on the cross, this is a moment where we understand the heart of God, that he is a God who is a father that loves us and has provided for us. You see, Jesus took the place of us. 
He is the perfect replacement. He is the perfect replacement punishment for our wrongdoing. When Jesus died on the cross, he was providing forgiveness for our sins. Sins being the wrong in our lives. The Bible says no matter whether you think you've done a little bit of wrong or a lot of wrong, that the, the punishment for that is death. And God out of his kindness provides a way that we don't have to face death. He says, I will die in your stead. And he's never stopped providing. You see, Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus was resurrected to life. And when he went back to be with the Father after he was raised to life, he poured out his Spirit, providing all those who believe in Jesus with the Holy Spirit. He's provided his word. You know, it's a remarkable thing. Sometimes we, we just don't grasp how incredible it is that we get to carry around the word of God in our pockets. For some of you, it's still a paperback, which is absolutely fine. You're probably not putting a hardback in your pocket, but anyway, a paperback, a paper Bible, but even on our phones, on our laptops, on our tablets, this is the word of the living God. He has provided revelation to us, and this is not something just to be sneered at. He's providing life. Even for you as you sit here today, there is life that has come to you or life is on offer for you. God is a provider that has provided in an immeasurable way. To not stop and pause and ponder on just who he is when we talk about his provision and we talk about God being a provider, it really does do him a disservice so often. And so we have to start in this place where we recognize that God is provider. The, the verse moves on to say that he will meet all your needs. All your needs. His provision is for you. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. And what Paul's not saying in these verses are, listen, because you've given me this gift, God's just going to make everything okay for you. God's not like a fairy godmother that just flies around tapping people on the head and giving them anything that they want and silver slippers and, and tickets to the ball and all that kind of thing. As we give, God isn't saying that I'm going to give you everything materially that you want. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have monetary troubles ever again. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be a burst pipe in your house or that your rent or your mortgage is going to be halved or the car's never going to go wrong or any of those things. Now, God loves to meet you in your need. I'm not saying that, but it isn't like a slot machine. We don't put sort of 50p in and just expect billions of pounds to come out in a material sense. He's not saying that there's not going to be any more suffering. But what he is saying is that the provision of God is for you. He is saying that when we talk about God as a provider, you need to understand the magnitude of what that means and understand that it has relevance and impact for you as an individual. See, when God created all things, he did so with the people in mind. Let me say that again. When God created all things, he did so with the people in mind. The Bible is clear. It says, before you were born... Before the foundation of the world, he knew you and had chosen you. You see, everything in history that was building up to the point of Jesus coming from heaven to earth and doing all that he did was not from the understanding of a, a vague notion that, that one day there might be some people that might benefit from this. God did all of this in the knowledge that he was winning to himself a people. 
He did so in the knowledge that he was preparing for himself a people, and that people, when you put your trust in Jesus and his life, his death and his resurrection, includes you. Before you existed, before you took your first breath, he was providing for you. Years before you came into existence, he was providing for you. Thousands of years before you came into existence, he had thought of you, knew you by name, knew every hair on your head. He thought of you. And when he provided the life of his son, Jesus Christ, who was obedient to his father, he did so because the righteous life of Christ would be accredited to you. The life of Jesus was a provision and is provision of righteousness that can be accredited to you. When Jesus was mocked, when he was an outcast, when he was spat on and punched, when they put the, the crown of thorns upon his head, when they whipped his back and when they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross, he did so as provision for you. Provision for you and provision for me for the specific wrong in our lives. Jesus Christ went to the cross in the knowledge in the knowledge that we were a sinful people. And if God provided nothing else in all of history, if there was nothing else to come from God the provider other than these moments, these years as Jesus walked on planet earth, lived the perfect life, died a death and was resurrected to life, that would be enough for us. Because there is something rich about this that sometimes we just walk past and we don't give enough credit to. And we don't let it go deep enough into our hearts. Because when we talk about God's provision, we think about all the material things. But God has done so much more than that. And is wanting to do so much more than that. You see, this life of Jesus, this death of Jesus, this resurrection of Jesus means that once you were dead and now you are alive. It means once you were lost and now you are found. Once you were an orphan, once you were an enemy of God, but when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, it means that the Father in heaven knows you as a son or a daughter and no longer an enemy, but a friend of the living God. The provision of God is not to be sneered at. It's not to be underestimated. The provision of God has eternal significance. And it is weighty. And it is something that we must grasp And it does us good to do so. And when Jesus burst forth from the grave, he did so with his people in mind. What a day that must be to be there as heaven applauds the king, as the spirit of God raises Christ from death to life. Victorious king, overcoming sin and death once and for all. For who? For his people. And that includes you. He provided the forgiveness of sins, but he provided eternal life. He provided eternal life, meaning that there is a day where you and I, if we believe in Jesus, will shut our eyes and we will come face to face with the Holy God. And as he looks upon us, he will see no blemish. He will see no wrong in our lives, but he will see us as white as snow, forgiven, set free, and he will welcome us home as a son or daughter. And we will meet the king and we will walk with him and talk with him. This provision of God is deep. This provision of God is personal. 
When Jesus lived, suffered, died, rose again, it was for you. And it changes everything forever. And Paul had learnt the secret. Just a few verses before the one that we're concentrating on, Paul talks about learning a secret where he knows what it is to have much and he knows what it is to have little. And what he says is, in all circumstances, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul's talking about really is everything that I've just said. The secret that Paul has learned in terms of overcoming things in his suffering and in his lacking is ultimately that he has grasped something deeper, that there is something far greater to come. And we can't quite get our heads around it. But you see, Paul believes this stuff. He, he is owning this stuff. He's wearing this stuff. The, the truth of what Jesus has done and what it means for him, this is deep inside of Paul. And he's living it day by day, whether he has much or whether he has little. And guys, the truth is that sometimes we, we don't own it in the way that we need to own it. It's so much richer and so much deeper than sometimes we give it credit for. And trust me when I say I'm guilty of this myself. But Paul grasped it. Paul gets it. Paul's saying it doesn't matter whether I have much or I have little. I can always find satisfaction in the fact that Jesus has done this and that one day I will see him again. God has won me is where he was at. He has won me and he is at work within me. He is present in my life, at work, active, changing me to become more and more like Christ. And one day I will see him face to face. And Paul didn't just believe this for himself. That's why he's getting so excited about the church giving. Because as they give, they're understanding more of the nature of God. As they give, they're trusting more in what is to come than what is in the now. As they give, they can give joyfully because they know that God will meet all of their needs. Not always in the way that they might expect, but he will meet all of their needs. And if it was true for Paul, and if it was true, true for the church in Philippi, then ladies and gentlemen, the good news is this, is that it's true for us as well. Because nothing, nothing has changed about the story of Jesus Christ. The reality of what he has done has not changed one iota. And so as we choose to believe, as we choose to put our trust in him, we can find great joy and great satisfaction in the moments where we have much and the moments where we have little. Because there is something greater to come that cannot and will not be changed. He finishes by saying, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. This is huge. According to his riches. There's this wonderful tweet that came out a few years back by a guy called John Piper. And he says this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of three of them. You see, the riches of God in glory in Christ Jesus are quite big. I don't know what you think about when you think about riches, whether you're a bit of a pirate lover and you think of a chest with a few gold coins in it, whether you think about winning the lottery, whether you think about winning the World Cup. Whatever it is that you think of, let me tell you this, that it doesn't even come close to the riches that are in heaven that belong to the Lord. According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's not according to your riches. It's not according to what you think you might need. It's not according to what your friends think that you need. It's not according to what society says that you should have. It's according to his riches. 
And let me tell you, that is so much better than our own ideas of what we think we need. God is at work in us in ways that we couldn't possibly imagine. He is committed as a father, is committed to a son or daughter in changing us, in shaping us, in helping us understand more and more of who he is. And that is the best thing that we can get hold of as we live our lives out here on planet Earth, which for the record is momentary in comparison to the rest of eternity. He is pouring out his provision on us even when we don't realize that he is. He is committed to giving us good things, even when it doesn't feel like it. And I want to just say this, that this is ultimately a matter of the heart. That's what Paul is getting excited about. He's saying, this is a heart thing. I can see in you that there is a heart transformation that's taken place that as you give, it's doing you good. As you give, you're finding out more about God, about his provision, about his ways. You're leaning on him. You're trusting in him. Paul is absolutely aware that there is so much more than we realize to come from God in our lives. And as our hearts long for more, as we choose to say, God, I want more of you, God will never hold back. If that is our prayer, if that is your prayer today, if you're saying, God, I just, I want to know you more. I want to live a life that is committed to you. I want to live a life, Lord God, where I become more like you. I need to understand you more. He will never, ever hold back. And the truth is that we genuinely can grow in relationship with him and go deeper in relationship with him. And so opportunity today knocks. As we come to the the end of this four-week series about leveling up, I want to say to you, this isn't just about leveling up in your finances. This is about leveling up, coming to know God more. This is about getting a greater understanding of who he is. This is about going deeper into the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of what he's done, the truth of what he's doing, the truth of what he will do, and how that impacts you. Do you know you can reach out and and grab it with both hands? He's desiring that from you. He wants to go into a deeper, more intimate place with you, whether you've never done that before or whether you've been walking with Jesus for 40, 50, 60 years. There is more to come for you. And so the opportunity today is to do this, is to to seek him. This isn't about, this, this kind of series isn't about just blindly giving away. These verses aren't about just sort of saying, if you give, you just get all this stuff. This material gain. This is about learning to walk with Jesus. It's about asking him. So so I want to encourage you that today's an opportunity to pray. It's an opportunity to say, Lord, you gave me everything. You poured out your life for me. You hung on the cross for me. You died so that I don't have to. You were dead in the ground, but you are risen to life, meaning that one day I don't have to face death and that I will be welcomed home. You've given me everything and so I can find joy in giving. Because if you tell me to give, if you are asking me to start giving regularly or to start upping what I'm giving or just to continue what I'm giving, then God, I'm going to do that with joy in my heart. Why? Because I know that you will look after me. I know that you will provide for me and I know that you have provided. I know that you are providing and that you will provide. And so I want to encourage you to pray. Don't just blindly give. It's not a slot machine moment. Pray, ask God, expect him to speak to you 
about giving. And the opportunity is there to pray, but the opportunity then, as you feel maybe God speak to you, there's an opportunity to trust in God as you give. Not trust that you'll get it all back again, not that you'll get it back with interest, but trust if God is leading you to give a certain amount of money, uh, that he will provide and it will do you good. And there is an opportunity to go deeper into the understanding of who he is, to enjoy giving, not to suffer, just like Paul, to know what it is to have much, but to know what it is to have little, to know what it is to go without and still be satisfied because there is a greater day that is coming. This is what I'm excited about today. It's about going deeper into relationship with God, into the depths of his grace and life that he has given to us, the life that he's won for us that goes beyond the grave. It's an excitement about giving with great gratitude and faith because there is a certainty about our future. There's an opportunity today as we give to do so in the knowledge that God is a God who gives us everything that we need and so much more. I want to finish just by, by praying and just recognising again that this isn't a, a talk about give more. This is a talk about have more from God. Level up in growing in who he is, in greater revelation of who you are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you gave everything for us. I thank you that you are the creator of all things, that you provided life. And Father, when we were far from you, you loved us enough to send your son. You provided a sacrifice in our stead that we may go free. I thank you for the provision of forgiveness. I thank you for the provision of eternal life. And so God, as we consider giving today, I pray that you would help us not to give uh, Lord, out of uh, feeling obliged to give because of man. But Lord, I pray there'd be joy in our giving. As you've given to us, Lord, I thank you that we can give to you and we can give into your work and know that it will do us good. I pray you would bless every one of us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.